0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby on Twitter and Infamous Web on Reddit. As usual, I'm joined by the one and only Jake, who answers to Halbritius on Twitter and Reddit.
1: Hello there. I don't have anything fancy to say today.
0: Yep. Today we're gonna kind of, I guess, play in that sense of the word, but we're just excited to be talking about actual Pistons basketball. Indeed. Um, we, we, we made it through the first uh, week or so of the season. Um, So we're going to kind of review how the players are doing um, and take a look at the week ahead. Uh, So without further ado, we're heading right in. So the Pistons start off the season with two wins and two losses, um, starting off with a win against the Pacers. Jake's going to tell us a little bit more about that because I was up in the air during the game.
1: By up in the air, he means like flying,
0: literally flying from DC back to Detroit. Uh, not like, I don't know, spiritual sense. I don't,
1: I don't know what else you could have meant with that, but it was not, that was a strange phrasing. (laughs) Uh, so that was, it was a, a big win. The Pistons, uh, 119 to 110, huge game from Andre Drummond, 32 and 23, seven stocks, uh, good coming out party for derrick rose 18 and 9 in 27 minutes luke hit a, uh was that his career
0: high 30 i think it was i think i remember saying yeah his career yeah high. no i
1: i'm sorry I, it was andre drummond to his career high is 33 so andre was almost mm. at, the, at almost his career there. high luke sets his career high with 30 only took him 13 shots
0: i feel like andre's came close to that career high a couple times now like he yeah, right he's, he's
1: had a couple of 30-some games, and that 33 was a quadruple overtime game, so it you know, almost shouldn't count, really. But... <laughs> in that respect. So uh, the rest of the starters only combined for 30 points. So, yeah. I don't know, it was it was very impressive game from Andre, uh, Derek Rose, and Luke Kennard, and I'm not sure anyone else really stood out in that one.
0: Yeah, but it was just nice to see that coming into this year, our bench wasn't really necessarily going to be the problem, unlike it has been in past years. It was that kind of, I believe, set the tone for the first uh, week against the Talking points in that sense is that the bench is actually here and the bench means business. Looking into the second uh, game of the season, it was actually a loss in a home opener against the Hawks. It was the second night of a back to back. We lost 117 to 100. Derek Rose continued to, with this hot start. He was got 27 off the bench that game. Another very efficient and very great game for him. Uh, Drummond finished with a, I, I guess it's kind of subpar for him. But a 21 and 12, uh, he did have five stocks. Um, but kind of the thing to note there was that, once again, not a whole lot from those starters. Drummond finished with 21, the rest of them had 23. Uh, what also hurt was that Trey Young was shooting him from Windsor. He finished with the game high 38, and just he had a couple shots where he was like from midcourt almost. Um, another huge difference, and I feel like the turning point in that game was Jabari Parker coming off the bench um, in the third quarter. He really helped uh, the Hawks kind of pull away then against maybe some more tired uh, Pistons team. He finished with 18 points on 8 for 11 shooting. And last, Reggie Jackson, we do have to make a note that he did leave the third, leave the game in the third quarter due to the injury that was his back. We'll talk about that a little bit more later though.
1: So there was a loss in the third game as well. That's, it was the third game in four nights, so that's a struggle. Obviously, the previous one, uh, the Hawks game, was a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Thanks, NBA. Um, this was an embedless 76ers team, which is still pretty good, but you would have liked to see them win. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, Drummond fouled out, really struggled. 13 and 12 is uh, not up to his usual standards for sure. The defense didn't uh, didn't help mm-hmm. anything. Uh, Rose was again doing great, put up 31. Uh, Marquise bounced back a little bit, 17 points on seven shots. Luke and Christian Wood helped off the bench. 16 points for Luke. Eleven efficient points for Christian Wood, and uh, but the rest of the starters struggled. Only twelve points from uh, Frazier, Snell, and Brown. The Sixers had great games from Tobias, uh, Al Horford, Ben Simmons. Really performed well. Just in general, this was I think a game where we saw that the Tim Frazier, Tony Snell, Bruce Brown, mm-hmm. Markeith Morris lineup sucks. Yeah, and you know between all the the length on. That Sixers team, and they're a good defensive team. That's very long, and the fact that Andre was basically trying to do everything by himself, it really—I mean, he just got buried in this game, and mm-hmm. uh, that's a concern, I guess, moving forwards without our healthy Blake Griffin and uh, Reggie Jackson. So, yeah, very disappointing performance from from Andre, and very disappointing that the team couldn't figure out a way to to compensate. This was still a winnable game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came right down to the stretch, and they just could not pull it out.
0: Yeah, for this game, I, th- I think kind of the, the thing to note there was that even without Embiid going against one of the better teams of the conference, it's going to be kind of tough to compete when you don't have a Blake Griffin or a Reggie Jackson to kind of help carry the offensive load. Um, so it's nice to see that moving into the next game, I think Casey kind of figured out the offensive lineup problems, and hopefully we'll see that moving forward. Um, in the next game, last earlier tonight's, uh, the Pistons did go on to beat the Pacers again, in the second of four times. They we're playing them all four before, like Christmas, which is a really Thank odd, God. another oddity of the schedule. But very happy to hear that we don't have to play Old Depot this year. That being said, Derek Rose kind of had a uh, kind of a come down to earth game. He ended up four of sixteen with four turnovers to six assists and just struggled, especially down the stretch. There was a uh, couple baskets in a row that you know he just he was going to the rim. Could have got fouled, but just was not putting him in. It seemed like he was short in a lot of his shots. Um, But he did manage to get, um, I believe, a go-ahead basket to go. I think so. I think it was a go-ahead one towards the end that was really crucial and really really kind of set the tone. I don't think one that was necessarily called for him to take, but always nice to see him step up. Looking at the rest of the team, Tim Frazier, who was back as a starter again, did a pretty good job um, getting eight assists, not giving a turnover. He didn't score, but he at least ran the offense. He reminded me a lot of... Ish in the sense that he was just running the offense. He wasn't necessarily looking for himself to score. There was a couple times when I thought, you know, he could he could go up and take a you know a floater or something like that, but he deferred to Andre in the post, which is not definitely not a bad idea, but something to maybe watch going forward with him. Luke shot well. He was kind of hot and cold in that game. I felt like, but he hit one just absolute stunner three. That I thought had no chance of going in. I think he was trying to um, get a foul call on it, um, but just <laughs> hit bank shot and really really helped us and really I guess kept us back in the games I think we were down four at that point Andre also bounced back in another solid game continued to kind of terrorize Sabonis and Turner in the post Uh, but on the flip side Sabonis was doing a good job of kind of tearing up especially our smaller players like Tony Snow when he got switched on him or Markeith Morris even he finished with 24 and 14. Um, Lastly Brogdon who I felt like had a quiet uh, nearly triple-double uh, he ended up with 15, 8, and 11, but did not shoot well from the floor. I think he finished with like 30% shooting. So it was a very odd game. Two teams that I think will definitely be a lot different uh, towards the end of the season when we get a lot of players more healthy there. Uh, but it was nice to see that the Pistons were able to take advantage and get the win despite a little bit of adversity, especially towards the end there. So.
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a lucky break for the Pistons to face the Pacers. I think there's some thought that Oladipo might be back for the last game, I think. But uh I think three of the games are are solidly within the zero Ola depot zone. And that's uh that's a big break for a team. I mean the, the Pistons schedule is horrendously mm-hmm. difficult this year. It's not good. So uh this is one small break that they got to face these guys early. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it, it was definitely nice to get another win here, especially another win when neither Luke or Derek Rose really showed up like n- certainly not the way they have the previous couple games. So mm-hmm. nice to get this one scraped out because this is definitely a, a team that the, the Pistons need to be beating because the Pacers are a good team that probably would be ranked ahead of the Pistons in uh, most people's preseason stuff. So,
0: yeah, I think all things considered going through the first four games of the year. I think we won the two games that we needed to win and two games that we probably should have won um, in Indiana to begin with in Indiana at the end. The Hawks game, it would have liked to win, but it seems like they're maybe might perform ex, um, out of expectations this year. I think they're still 3-0 and or 3-1 or something like that. So they're starting off hot as well. Um, with that being a back-to-back road to home opener, it's kind of a tough game. And then playing the 7-6ers even without Embiid is still a pretty decent roster, and especially being the third game of four nights. So all in all, if you tell me we're 2-2 two two to start the year, without having Blake in either of those games and having a hobbled Reggie for two. I'd be pretty happy with that. So Can't Yeah, really considering
1: complain. there's no Blake, you probably guess they split this this mm. week here. Uh I think all of them, the nice thing is that all of them felt pretty winnable. It didn't feel like any of the games was completely out of hand by halftime or anything. So, it's nice that they managed to keep things in check and a little bit of belief in all these games even without Blake Griffin. That that bodes well when he returns.
0: Yeah, and I feel like last year is one of the things, and especially the last couple of years, the business have struggled with winning games that they just should take care of and should win. So I think it was nice to see that and hopefully it sets a trend for the rest of the year. They're not gonna be falling to maybe some weaker teams and some games that they could definitely win, take advantage of. So. <laughs> Moving right along to our next segment, we're going to be going over some hot and cold. I think it's going to be a running uh, segment we're going to be doing uh, here. We're going to kind of talk about some people from the week and see how they were doing, hot or cold. All the stats we're using are going to be per 100 possessions. I feel like it's a lot easier, especially when we're talking about one team, talking about some bench players, stuff like that, to kind of even it out based on their playing and the amount of minutes and stuff like that they play. So, Jake, take it away.
1: All right, so who do you want to talk? what do you want to talk about first, a hot player or a cold
0: player? I mean, we got to talk about the hot players to start with here, obviously.
1: Alright, so let's talk about probably the hottest of these players, which is Derrick Rose. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been putting up 38.2 points per game on uh, 60% true shooting, uh, putting up 9 assists and and 3.5 rebounds. The one major concern so far, uh, other than the fact that he had a a pretty poor game today, is that he's averaging 7.5 turnovers. So what do you think about Derrick Rose?
0: So right now, I mean, I'm buying. I'm hot. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Derrick. This was everything that we... I kind of wanted to see from him coming into the year, um, especially the way that he's scoring the ball and still you know, looking for assists and the way he's running the offense off the bench. I think he's been crucial and been, honestly, I would say the real reason that we've been able to do so far to start the year. I, I think, and he's even came out and said this, I believe, in one of the post-game interviews, um, they does need to work on the turnovers. That's definitely um, a main concern that we'll have throughout the year. And it seems like it's not something that's exclusive to just him, but I mean... If you tell me that we're going to have someone coming out putting up 32 points per game in 100 possessions, like that's exactly what the Pistons have needed and have looked for for a while off the bench. And I think we got that, and hopefully we can keep him healthy and get some more health around him. I'm happy. What about you?
1: Those are all really hot numbers. My biggest concern is that when we look at just like per-game stats we're talking about basically five assists and four turnovers a game, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it's one of those things where so far Derek has been really good scoring and he's really struggled to kind of use his scoring as leverage to open up the rest of the team. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, especially while Reggie Jackson and Blake are out. Can Derek really, can he be a starting point guard? There's some people who think Derek is going to be the starting point guard next year that Reggie's going to... Go somewhere else after his contract's up, and that we're gonna rely on Derek. If that's gonna be the case, he's gotta he's gotta use his talents to make everyone else better. And so mm-hmm. far, that's not what's happened. But when you're looking at it from purely the perspective of this guy's a sixth man or a seventh man, he's been that's been awesome, super productive. Yeah. All right. So hot or cold?
0: Well, I'm gonna go with cold, but it's actually gonna be a hot hand. Give me cool Luke. Luke. Yes.
1: Okay. I I, I get get you. You're going cool hand, Luke?
0: All right. Yes, I'm going cool hand, Luke. (laughs) So,
1: per 100, Luke's been putting up 28 points a game, uh, 67% true shooting, four assists, four rebounds. So, how do you feel about Luke Kennard?
0: Luke Kennard, I feel like I feel more like on pace than I expect him. He's somebody who's coming out and shooting well, he's moving the ball well. I think he's. Even still, he's been scoring a lot of points, but I think even still, he needs to be more assertive. But that being said, I'm excited. I would say would be my main takeaway with Luke because I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing, especially in these games with Reggie out in the starting lineup. I mean, obviously, before we talked about before the season, he think he needs to come off the bench, needs to get his points that way. It's it's kind of more where he's in his role, where he's more relaxed. But with Reggie out, I think we need that that shooting presence. And if we're gonna have Tim Frazier starting, I think there would be a good combination to have Luke run the offense through. Frazier doing some pick and roll and stuff like that but have Luke being able to be that second creator getting the ball passed out to him I think I'm excited to see what that brings excited to see what happens with him in the starting lineup and as a big Reggie Jackson fan I'm kind of nervous to see if Reggie is out for an extended amount of time What happens when he comes back, if Luke really takes advantage of this and runs with it?
1: So for me, the big thing is, A, he's shooting 48% from three, Mm -hmm. um, and he's averaging uh, about seven attempts a game, so that's a huge leap from last year. He is playing almost, uh, it's about eight more minutes a game right now than he was playing last year. Yeah,
0: he's at 30 a game right now.
1: He's averaging 30 a game, So, but shooting 48% from three is huge. He's drawing free throws this year. Mm-hmm. He's aver- He averaged one free throw a game last year. And he's averaging four and a half a game now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The one thing that concerns me so far is he is not really playmaking yet. He has definitely gotten more aggressive when it comes to pulling the trigger on his three-point shot. He's gotten a little more decisive when it comes to shooting, but he hasn't yet quite unlocked the drive and dish game for himself yet. He hasn't quite leveraged that new aggression from the arc Mm -hmm. into something else. So this is obviously a big step forward, a step forward that people were asking for uh, last year. All positive. The big question is just to see whether or not he can take you know another step this season yet mm-hmm. and do a little more as a playmaker. All right, hot or cold? Could be cold. All right, let's go with Langston Galloway. Mm-hmm. Per 100, we're talking 15 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists but the big cold number here, 48% true shooting. So that point number to compare to a, a you know, a Luke Kennard is averaging 28 points per 100. Langston's only at 15. So what do you got on Langston Galloway?
0: <sighs> so for Langston, it's it's kind of the same thing that's kind of frustrate me always is that he's just not an efficient scorer. He, we've known that his entire time here. The good with Langston is that it seems like he's been trying to take the ball the a little bit more. It hasn't been the most effective thing but it's kind of nice to see him kind of making a, an attempt to get towards the basket a little more than uh, sitting out towards the wing that being said he still has been I feel like a serviceable defender which is something that we kind of needed looking at some of the other people um, some of the other like shooting guards and point guards like Rose and like Kennard. he's been pretty serviceable I feel like defensively he's been able to stay in front of people and he's been trying hard <sighs> it's just his usual self it's back and forth it's hot and cold hopefully he can get into a rhythm I don't think he will necessarily be someone that uh, will be getting a lot of minutes for the Pistons once we get healthy. But he's he's gonna have to uh, he's just gotta make some shots. Maybe not always drive the ball into a crowd.
1: It's uh, he's shooting thirty three percent from three, which is not his usual standard he's usually closer to 35 36 so not a huge drop off but he hasn't quite hit his stride yet from from deep and uh overall we're talking 32% from the field now since most of his shots are coming from 3 that makes a little bit of sense but he needs to be hitting more and he's not doing anything as a playmaker he's turning the ball over a lot right now yeah um so you're right the big contribution is defense and I think he got a lot of credit for stepping in during the Hawks game and doing a little bit of work on Trey Young. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think he got a lot of credit for defending a Trey Young who had already been kind of worked over by Bruce Brown and was maybe a little tired yeah. when he first came in. So I struggle to give him too much credit. He certainly has not been a positive when he's on the floor. That's he's uh, He's got a nice plus 1.6 plus minus, so he hasn't been a, a massive negative, I guess, Mm-hmm. Even though it's only four games, so who knows whether the plus-minus means anything. But certainly not super happy with what we've seen from Langston Galloway so far.
0: No, I think it's kind of what we expected. Unfortunately.
1: All right, last player, hot or cold?
0: Uh, give me hot.
1: Give me hot. All right, Thonmaker, or sorry, Thon Maker, Christian Wood <laughs> or Andre Drummond. Which one you want to talk about? <laughs>
0: I want Christian Wood. Are you kidding me? You want Christian Wood? All right.
1: Listen to these numbers. Christian Wood is putting up thirty-one. 18 and no assists per 100 (laughs) on 85 percent true shooting percentage only
0: slight blemish three
1: turnovers so far uh per 100 so what do you got on christian wood
0: well guess what you you don't need to pass the ball when the ball goes into the basket every single time my man was in fuego today ah that was so much fun to watch he is something where i think it's been a revelation how well he's playing and something where i I obviously hesitate myself i know (laughs) not to Get overhyped based on what he's done so far, but he has looked so well at finishing the ball, and especially now that he was he shot what he made he was three for three from behind the arc and they were not the easiest of shots. <laughs> he was doing step back threes, and I think one of the one of the threes he started running back on defense before he even went in. So he's very confident and he's very hot right now. I think it was somewhere I'd, I saw a lot on Twitter and how I felt in the arena was we got to put him back in, <laughs> especially over Markeith who's been kind of struggling so far. We need to put him back in and see what he can do. Because right now, he's the hot hand. He's the hottest of hot hands besides uh, Derek Rose. And I want to kind of ride him and see how far it goes. He's a young kid. Maybe this is just his breaking out season. Who knows? But I'm excited to see what we got out of him and hopefully can see a lot more of him until Blake gets healthy.
1: Yeah, so just to, to give Andre some credit here and put what Christian Wood has done in perspective, Andre is currently at 28-22 and 22 per 100. And Wood is at 31 and 18. So Wood has been almost as productive from a box score standpoint as Andre Drummond. Now, there's some defensive concerns with what Wood has oh, yeah. been doing and all of that stuff. But when it comes to just producing things, he's been he's been great. And it's, you know, a lot of people are talking today on Twitter, you know, A, people said we were going to lose spacing when we got rid of Joe Johnson. what? <laughs> what, what spacing did we lose? You know, if he's going to shoot like this.
0: Yeah, I definitely saw one tweet that said, like, "Oh, what what did he finish with, like, 19 points tonight? I didn't think we were... we're, Joe Johnson might not score 19 points in the whole season.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is incredible that it it took... You know, maybe we didn't give the front office enough credit in believing that they knew that Wood was going to be the guy, but it's kind of incredible that it took this long for them to be like, yeah, no, Christian Wood's the one that's staying on the roster. He's definitely got the spot, you know? uh he's he's definitely proved that he belongs in that spot yeah all right so that's that's enough of hot and cold for this week
0: yep so we'll bring it back next week hopefully all right so now i want to quick uh, touch on some of the more sadder news which is going to be the injury report Um, Right now, we have two big injuries that are, of course, affecting the team. Two of our uh, main three guys. We're starting off with Reggie Jackson, um, who kind of came into the year with some back uh, troubles. James Edwards said leading into the season that you know he did have some back problems, but Casey didn't expect them to linger into the regular season, Um, and he did play that first night. Uh, However, that's where things kind of got progressively worse. So after the game. He had said in a press report that his back was acting up, um, and then he had to even limp off the floor following the win. Um, then he did continue to start against the Hawks, despite what was quoted as uh, lower back tightness. But he didn't see any, seemed serious despite his lingering back issue. However, in the game, he kind of aggravated his back in the first quarter and then eventually tweaked it in the second when he left. He was listed as cl- questionable against the 76ers due to the sore back. However, he was eventually scratched. And then uh, tonight against the Pacers, he was listed as doubtful despite uh, Vince uh, saying that he was expected to be available, but um, then he was uh, scratched closer to game time as well. So right now, Reggie, it sounds like a back issue. Those are words you don't like to hear, uh, but we hope that he can get better soon and hopefully see him back in the court here. It, doesn't, it still sounds more kind of a day-to-day, kind of how his back is feeling thing. At the moment, it doesn't seem like anything long-term.
1: So uh, the other guy who's dealing with a, a knock is Black Griffin. This is You wrote this, man. Black i was Griffin. typing
0: quick man i was trying to Ow. get to the game
1: so so blake is uh sidelined with knee injuries reported to be uh through the first week of november uh persham so maybe that gives us by the 11th against the timberwolves we're not really sure
0: that's where i was kind of speculating he might possibly be coming back but i mean there's a lot that is up in the air sure. that, so who knows
1: Sure. He was dealing with leg stuff. I think it was more quad stuff, right, for um, the Bucs series. And he had procedures done over the summer, and we kind of thought it was supposed to be a healthy summer. Maybe not. So obviously there's a concern there that this is so up in the air. But yeah, so we've still got another week or two without Blake Griffin, even if we're lucky. Maybe a month if we're not.
0: Yeah, I think those two injuries are definitely going to kind of loom over the team until we start to see what their health is and where they're going to be at for the long term. Because right now, both of them are just kind of. I mean, Blake, we have like a set, he's not going to be back until the first week of November, whatever that means. Reggie's just kind of day to day. So we're both of them still not sure. Hopefully, back soon and later. Um, one last one I want to say is uh, Seku Dumbayo, to say it right. No. No? yeah That's close enough.
1: You you also spelled his name wrong. He just typed this into our Google sheet, and he spelled his name. Basically, the entire last half of Dumbuya is spelled wrong.
0: I was trying to do it off memory, so I wasn't going to look it up. I had the Seku right. Give me, give me half. You right. got Seku right. Got right. Seku's right. also six, no, five letters, so. <laughs> it's trickier than it looks, but um, he was out uh, with a concussion that he suffered in practice. Um, obviously, hasn't played yet his first NBA minutes. I believe he was cleared to play tonight. Um, however, he was a, I guess, quote-unquote healthy scratch. I don't really know uh, if he was fully back to playing, but he was, I believe, medically cleared. I think so. So maybe we'll see some seku in the future? Who knows? More to, more to come on that one as well. <laughs> no. 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 All right, moving on to some quick pointers about the rotation. Um... The main one I think we want to talk about is with Thonmaker and Wood. So, this one particularly, um, you brought up a point earlier today um, about playing them together, which is something that before the Pacers-Pistons uh, game tonight, where they did get a chance to play a little bit together. Talk me through how you think they're going to fit. What do you think you saw from that today? So, you missed the Sixers game, correct? Yes, I was on my way back from the unfortunate Michigan State-Penn State game. Oof. Oof. Yeah.
1: So... uh So they played together a little bit in that game because Andre Drummond had foul trouble, so Mm. they were kind of forced onto the floor. And I think we kind of saw similar stuff to today that just having two long, lanky boys out there at the same time (laughs) kind of works. i got to confess, I I didn't pay as much attention today as I should have to how they played together. I know that in the Sixers game, they kind of did a little bit of zony kind of stuff where they kind of took, each one took kind of half the paint they had some interesting help rotations because of it, and there's some, you know, it would it would break scheme, I think, to play them together the way I think that it would work. Mm-hmm. But I think it is interesting just to say we have length. Neither one of these guys is a good defender. All right, Thon is. I think Thon is smart on defense. He just does not have any body control to speak of. <laughs> <laughs> and Christian Wood is very inexperienced. Mm-hmm. He's. Would actually impress me a lot more today than he has in the previous three games. He was a lot more composed today, mm-hmm. and it still was a problem. It, it is interesting, I should say, that when they play together, they do just seem to kind of make things happen almost by accident.
0: <laughs> I think that's a correct way of putting it. We got a chance to see them out there today. It was a lot of flailing arms whenever anyone came in the paint. They they did a great job of collapsing um, on anyone that came through and i i would agree it's a lot different than what we've seen maybe with you know when Andre's in the in the game and he's kind of locking on the perimeter and it, there's a lot more help and whether that's intentional or not i'm not quite sure because Don has a tendency to kind of roam around in the paint so that was interesting but i would love to see the statistics on it because i don't feel like it was a terrible combination they don't feel like we were getting killed um when they were both out there despite playing against a team that has you know two pretty good uh interior scoring guys and Sabonis and Miles Turner but I felt like they were doing okay (laughs) I mean offensively if Christian Wood is hitting like he's hitting today I think they can pair together there I think Wood's got the offensive talent to kind of make sure that they they can suffer through Thon's questionable offensive game I need to see a little more of it but I'm kind of be cautiously intrigued
1: yeah the um the big thing for me when they play together is what they do offensively and the one thing that kind of drove me nuts today was that when they were together it was Thon Maker who was playing as, like, the five on offense and playing the screener and the roller, yep. which doesn't make any sense to me um, because he's bad at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Laz Jackson brought up on Twitter that, uh, you know, maybe it's because Thon is a better screen setter, which I think is technically true.
0: I love this exchange. I,
1: I posit that it might be true because he sets screens because he's scared of what happens when he rolls. Whereas, like, Andre Drummond and Christian Wood, when they set screens, they're, like, excited to run to the rim.
0: They're like, I got the ball here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I don't know about that from a schematic perspective. I had some people ask me whether or not I thought it was because, because Don had more, like, practice in that role than Christian Wood had. Yeah. I don't see how that's really possible since they're mostly running it with Derek Rose who's only been there as long as Christian Wood anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're practicing these in practice with Thon and not with uh Christian Wood, that seems like a coaching oversight to me. Yeah. So uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I think they fit together interestingly on defense. I think they're kind of a question on offense. Um, I guess the further question then is where do you put Marcus or Marcus Markeith, excuse me, Marcus, <laughs> one of them, uh, Markeith Morris in this whole lineup. I've not been a huge fan of Marquis so far. Yeah. I think he's executed on offense extremely poorly. He kind of has a very, he, he like lopes around on offense. It it feels very casual to him. Even when he has the ball, it's like all these, he drives and like, it feels huh. like he's a gangly teenager. Like the ball is very loose and away from his body. It's not all tight and composed and just everything he's doing so far offensively feels like it's very poor execution and he's kind of lucking into some success and he's a good enough isolation player. He's gotten some, some baskets that way. Mm -hmm. He has some defensive value because he defends the post pretty well. And I think that's why he was in at the end of the game today in the Pacers games that they liked him on, Sabonis, i would have preferred to see wood mm-hmm. or tony snell in there instead but i just i look at these thon and wood and the fact that i'm not convinced that morris is a better option than thon is not good for him
0: yeah with morris and wood together i don't like that pairing um, as much as i like even putting them with thon and wood together as marcus or mark i did two now <laughs> Marquise just defensively. I feel like he's very good when he's next to a true rim protector. And Andre, while not always having the statistics, is someone who you have to watch out at the rim. And when he's got you know Christian Wood or Don Maker behind him, I don't feel like he's just too busy too too busy trying to help. Whereas when Thon and Wood they run around like crazy, the young kids. I feel like Marquise wants to stay more on his guy. And more play a one-on-one defender so that's where i'd be hesitant to put him with one of those two i think it might right now with the you know, the amount of healthy bodies we have that might be just a necessity at this point is that we're gonna have to pair them together a little bit hopefully he gets a little more comfortable especially the offense i think has really been the part that's holding him back so far
1: yeah i think we knew coming into the season that that uh that power forward center rotation behind blake and andre was going to be you know the, the flash point all season And I don't think we've gotten any great answers so far other than, Christian, what is the best out of those three?
0: Moving on to another big question that we had coming in with the rotation is the starting lineup. And I feel like that has just gotten more murkier and murkier as we've gone on, especially now that with Reggie and his questionable status with his back. So tonight's starting lineup, I'm going to go based off that, was Tim Frazier, Luke Kennard, Tony Snell, Marquise Morris, and Andre Drummond. Do you think that's a starting lineup that, A, we're going to keep, and we're going to see until Reggie comes back or Blake comes back? And then, B, are you happy with that starting lineup, or what would you do to make it better?
1: I don't know yet.
0: <laughs> that's a great answer. And
1: here's the the reason why, and we're going to get into this a little bit um, when we talk some of the X and O stuff here in a second, but we played the Pacers, yep. and they're weird. Very weird. You know, they're not your normal team, and I'm not entirely sure how this team, This lineup plays against a normal team. I will say this so far for the starting lineup. I don't think there's a good option. I think that the reason we keep Luke Kennard on the bench is because it helps him get into rhythm to have a little more of a usage rate with that bench lineup. And so putting him in the starting lineup while we have the two high usage guys out in Blake and Reggie makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I also think that I think Casey values his he's very strict about his rotations. Normally I think he values continuity and things mm-hmm. very highly. I'm kind of surprised that he moved Luke into the starting lineup without moving Derek Rose in. So he apparently values having Derek Rose off the bench higher than he values the Rose and uh, Kennard pairing. I'm I don't I don't have an opinion over whether one of those is more important than the other to be honest with you. I just think it's interesting that that's what he chose. I was I, was, I kind of expected to see Rose and Luke today to be honest with
0: you. to kind of I guess explain why I think kind of the reasoning was is that we needed to have we need to have one of those two coming off the bench, either Rose or Kennard just to kind of stabilize the bench units. In a way that, you know, most teams usually balance their stars that they have. We need to balance our bench scoring. So in that respect, I think the reason that he chose Luke to move into the star lineup over Rose or over them both is so they can bring in kind of that shooting aspect. Where Luke is one of our, our better shooters, obviously. When you surround Audrey Drummond with Tim Frazier in either Bruce Brown or Tony... Well, Tony Snell's a great shooter in uh, Markeith Morris. But with a, a, a lineup that has two not great shooters, I think that's what he wanted to do was to put Snell and Luke out there and do a lot of pick and roll, it seemed like, through Tim Frazier and Andre Drummond. And Frazier looked like he was doing a pretty good job with it. And he was finding open players, and he was able to get some points off that. So it's something where I feel like against maybe a better team, it's something that will definitely get found out. But I kind of see the reasoning, and I I don't know, I'm cautious to say it it might actually be the best option I see in my mind. And I'm kind of happy with what Casey actually decided with that.
1: I, I'll say this. I missed the first like six minutes or so of this game. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, Charter, for <laughs> A, just randomly throttling my internet, B, for not, being, not allowing me to log into any services right now so I can't watch the game properly. That was fun. I had to listen to the Pacers guys all day. They actually did a fine job, but I had to listen to the Pacers guys all day. Come on, I could have had Greg and George. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this. It looked to me like Tim Frazier was doing a really good job of getting Andre into the
0: game early. Yeah.
1: And if that's in, assuming that's the case, I'm pretty happy with the way this starting lineup ended up, even though, again, I don't think there was a truly good option available. So uh, if this worked, then I don't see why you wouldn't go back to it next game, you know, and we'll just have to play it by ear, I think. And uh, it might end up kind of being a hot hand thing. I don't know. Uh, Dwayne Casey tends to be very rigid in how he plays this out so if this worked and it you know doesn't absolutely bomb against uh, who's the next one raptors yeah so if it doesn't absolutely like bomb against the raptors i bet this will be the way he goes moving forwards until reggie and blake are back
0: yeah i think that's a crucial thing with reggie and blake both on, i think they need that just offensive playmaker to kind of be alongside. And, it, and like you said, Frazier, I obviously sound like he didn't get a chance to see it. He should have gone to the game. He would have seen a lot better. Uh, but Frazier was definitely looking to get Andre his points early on. He was, when they were doing screen and rolls, like I said, there was a couple times where it's like, you know, a Derrick Rose or a Reggie Jackson. They'd be doing a kind of a pull-up floater. But in his case, he decided to do a jump step and pass it to Andre and Andre and went to the hole and got a basket. So it's something where I, I think it's not the sexiest option. By any stretch of the imagination to put Tim Frazier at your starting point guard over Derrick Rose. But I think it's an option that worked pretty well tonight. And I cautiously say, I think it might work going forward as long as Frazier keeps trying to get Andre into the game and we have Luke out there to kind of balance out with shooting and kind of space the floor as well. So I'm okay with it.
1: I think it's going to rely on a lot on Luke and uh, Markeith kind of doing a little bit more creation. I think they're going to have to be a little more successful than they were today. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. All right, so our next uh, kind of regular topic is uh, covering the X's and O's of what we've seen so far in these games. Um, I think one of our biggest questions that we've had kind of stemming back into last year is uh, why can't we sustain offense late into games? So you were at the game today, and uh, I think you probably noticed that the Pistons sucked in the fourth quarter again. So what did you see there?
0: Yep, we definitely let the Pacers back into the game. I think it's a combination of the Pacers were, first of all, to get back into it, the opposing team has to score points. And they did a great job of just hitting a lot of open shots and hitting a lot of tough shots as well. So credit to the Pacers, it wasn't the Pistons just letting them walk back into the game. But on the flip side of that, the pr- way you can prevent the other team from getting back into the game is to score more points. And some of that I think I dial into, you know, this was Derrick Rose's maybe regression game back, not necessarily what we expect from to night, but back to the mean. And he had a lot of you know, floaters and a lot of step backs and long twos that, you know, he was hitting the last couple of games that he was not hitting today. He felt like he was short on you know, every single like shot he took. Um, so I think I think part of that has been not having a Reggie Jackson, not having a Blake Griffin um, to be able to to stem that offense. Um, but obviously that was something that we struggled with last year as well. So I think it's a lot. If I had to put a specific blame on that, it's just there wasn't a whole lot of it felt like, uh, like play calling and a lot of system going on late in the game. Felt a lot more of, all right, we're going to let, you know, this is going to be, dre in the post this is going to be a pick and roll with derek and let him kind of see what comes out of it i didn't think there was a whole lot of like set plays that were going around it it was a lot more of just let the guys run it and we'll see what happens so that'd be what i was kind of hesitant about uh with how we closed the game today yeah
1: to me it was it was pretty ugly we've we've had issues before with dwayne casey basically saying Somebody go win this for me. Uh, It was an issue with his Raptors teams. Mm -hmm. It was a really big issue last year early on when it was basically, Blake, please do everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was an issue in the playoffs when Blake was out and he basically said, Andre, can you please do everything for us? And the Bucs were like, we know that's your plan. And then the Bucs absolutely ruined us. And today we had like five possessions in a row where it was like Andre posting up early inside the offense and not having any options out of the post up. It was kind of interesting uh, last Jackson tweeted at me that he kind of thought that was an andre thing Uh. i'm kind of surprised he said that because to me it's an andre thing if andre's making really quick moves inside the post you know if he's running hard and and doing that you know and he's getting deep post position he's and he's shooting quick hooks because he's he thinks he's got it made but he was he was posting slowly and waiting long into the clock and like just wasting possessions like that. And I think that's a Dwayne Casey hasn't called anything. The team doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a consequence of that. And I I'm concerned about it because the adjustment Dwayne Casey made was to go from Andre Drummond posting up to Derek Rose shooting 17 <laughs> footers. Yeah. And it was awful. That just can't happen. I, I mean, I think, Largely, this has been a concern again with Dwayne Casey. He gets outcoached in a lot of games, and uh, other coaches make better in-game adjustments. I actually thought I thought he made some good pre-game adjustments. I I think uh, one of the things I would have talked about the first game is that defending the pick and roll. Um, Andre Drummond got burned several times from deep by Miles Turner. Again, we talked about this in the preseason with our defensive X and O talk, but pick and pops are just, they're just really good against the kind of defense the Pistons play. They're kind of built to take advantage of that drop system. Mm-hmm. And they switched those Brogdon-Turner pick and rolls a little bit today so that they could just get a hand up and contest that a little more. Mm-hmm. Those are good adjustments from Dwayne Casey, But they come between the games. And it's during the games where you just look at Dwayne Casey and you go, what exactly are we doing to stop this team right now? And it just, Mm -hmm. the way we closed without, um, we didn't have either Christian Wood or Tony Snell on the floor. And it was Bruce Brown and Markeith Morris. And again, I think Morris was out there because they think he does a better job on Sabonis.
0: Didn't feel like that in in the arena. I don't totally (laughs) buy it,
1: but yeah just there's there's a lot of confusing stuff from Dwayne Casey, and even if the end of game stuff is players trying to take too much on themselves, part of the issue is that that shouldn't be an op that they shouldn't consider that an option mm-hmm. anyways they there should be a system in place. there should be plays in place. They should be confident in the system and in running these plays, eventually at the end of games, you know it's always going to boil down into who does something special, but you have to have some kind of actions to get people into slightly easier positions than just, it's 18 seconds on the clock, go do something. That that can't be your offense.
0: Yeah, and part of that, I mean, you said like, you're waiting for a player to do something special. One of my big critiques with uh, Case's game was that that lineup he ended the game with, I felt like it needed someone like a Christian Wood or just even like a Tony Snell, I was surprised, wasn't even in there. Someone else who can kind of, I mean, Christian Wood is feeling it. He was draining threes, he was hitting pull he was hitting everything that game. you got to ride the hot hand in that respect. I know Markeith is your, your older veteran player who you trust a lot and stuff like that, but you got to recognize when someone's just having a hot day, when someone is just, just making everything, and if he goes in and he doesn't do it, then you pull him out and you put in a uh, But not having a Snell and I think, was kind of the bigger one. I know... It was, it was funny, he kind of did the inverse of it, where Bruce was hitting threes, like he hit three as well today, and we left him in over Tony Snell, who I think is down the stretch more reliable and someone who the defense is making more aware when he's at the three-point line. So I think in that respect, it, that, that lineup towards the end kind of confused me. I was just waiting for Snell to check in or, oh, we're going to bring Christian Wood back in for the last four minutes, but he just never went to it. It was something that really confused me and really annoyed me that he isn't able to make these in-game changes like that.
1: Yeah, and one more thing from me is that Markeef was on five fouls at that point. Christian Wood had no fouls, and Andre Drummond had three. So even if Sabonis is chewing you up a little bit, put him on the line. He's shooting Sabonis. That is is shooting 92% from the line this year, but he's a career 75% free throw shooter. Mm -hmm. So if it turns out that you have to, you know, eat a foul or two from Sabonis because Christian Wood isn't as good as uh, defending him, you can do that because Christian Wood had literally no fouls and Andre Drummond had Mm -hmm. plenty to spare as well. So, yeah, some some sketchy stuff. But uh, I wanted to move on into some more open conversation, which is that three-point shooting. The Pistons are bottom five in generating attempts, Mm -hmm. and that's not good. And it feels like some of it is also like shooters that shouldn't be shooting again are the ones who are shooting. (laughs) Bruce Brown hit three today.
0: Mm-hmm. Three for
1: three. Bruce shouldn't be shooting threes at all. No. And Markeith has been shooting a lot of threes. And I think he's averaging four a game. And Markeith is not that good a shooter Tony Snell hasn't been shooting enough. Mm -hmm. Part of it is, of course, Blake and Reggie are two of your better shooters, and they're out, but you're more bottom five in attempt rate right now. And so just that probably needs to change. One of the big things I was hoping to see was more playmaking Andre Drummond, and we have not seen Mm -hmm. either the motion offense to get people cutting and moving and we have not seen Andre Drummond making plays out of the short roll like we did in the preseason. Yeah. So in addition to concern over general system and all that we know Dwayne Casey is aware of statistics and, and <laughs> analytics and stuff. Um, he's definitely changed his mindset a little bit over the years. Obviously the way our defense is structured is to take away threes, so he's very aware of the value they have and it's just kind of surprising that we are not even putting up shots. I mean the hope would be to get close to 40 a game and we're shooting like 26 a game right now, something like that.
0: I think a lot of that really does boil down to we have Tim Frazier and Markeith Morris in spots where it's usually Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin. And just if you kind of look down the list, I think a lot of it boils down to the person that they usually have in that position is someone who's a lot better three-point shooter versus somebody who's going to drive to the hole. And I think that's something that while I don't think we're going to be leading the league in three points attempted, I think we'll, that'll rise as the year goes on. I mean, when we've got Langston Galloway and Bruce Brown and some other guys that are not as comfortable at three-pointers, I think we shouldn't expect them to be you know, taking a lot of them. I wouldn't hesitate. I mean, obviously I'd like to get more shots for Luke and for you know Tony Snell behind the line, but past that, I'd want everyone else a little bit farther away from the three-point line. So I don't feel like their career percentages are really in line with something we want to be taking. You don't want Derrick Rose taking threes.
1: (laughs) All fair. I I would like to see if Derrick Rose's three-point shooting from last year was real or fake. Yeah. He's getting getting inside so well right now that it doesn't matter, but he will need to shoot some in the future. I guess my big point is right now we're like fourth in attempts, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Fourth worst, I should say, in attempts. Um, So the big thing is when Blake and Reggie come back, that needs to quickly climb to 12th best, Mm -hmm. you know somewhere in that range, um, preferably higher, obviously. But you know, so, so if that's really the reason it needs to climb and I, I haven't, been happy with the scheme stuff about it either but again
0: yeah to kind of talk more on the the scheme I do agree with your point about not giving more emotion offense for Andre and putting the ball in his hands I feel like I mean before Blake got here he showed what a great creator he can be with the ball in his hands and how he run the offense around him and it allows you know people to get a little more open than aren't usually before that so I'm kind of curious the point that we haven't seen that more and we haven't had an opportunity to run the ball through Andre and kind of see what he can do again He finished the night with one assist, and it felt like while it was a good job of Tim Frazier going towards the hole and kind of doing some pick and roll and kind of creating off that, I I would have really liked to see the ball in his hands at some point for a stretch with some shooters around him, where you can surround him with, you know, Frazier, Snell, Kennard, Marquise, or Christian Whatever if you keep shooting like this. Uh, So that'd be something that I'd, I'd kind of hope to see going forward, but at this point I don't think... It's something that Casey is necessarily making a concern or anything that we should expect uh, to see from All
1: Alright, so uh, the opposite to the offense stuff we've talked about is that uh, the Pistons want to defend the three-point line. And uh, they've done that pretty well. Um, They're top five in defending the three-point from an attempt perspective. Mm -hmm. But uh, the defense has been awful because they're (laughs) sacrificing it all inside. Currently, they are 19th in second-chance points allowed. They're 26th in paint points allowed. And they're bang average at generating deflections despite Andre Drummond, like— single-handedly he should be keeping you at bang average so it's been a problem that literally nobody on the outside on the perimeter can stop anybody part of that has been the uh the emergence of trey young as a literal supernova and the second coming of steph curry yeah you know that was a game where bruce brown who is a good defender literally couldn't do anything (laughs) that opened up a lot inside and all that Mm -hmm. additionally we we have to take into account that we've been playing the Pacers, who play a lot inside, and we're talking about Sabonis, who is going to be single-handedly owning you in paint points. At the same time, we've played the Pacers twice, and the Pacers are the lowest three-point shooting attempt team in the league. So are we suppressing threes well, or have we just not played a team that attempts them like crazy? Because the Sixers aren't a crazy attempt team either. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to tell. And other than basically basically the first game against the Pacers Andre Drummond single-handedly eliminated everything. Uh in the Hawks game Andre was pretty good, in the Philly game he was bad. Tonight he was pretty good. Once again they did a really good job of holding Malcolm Brogdon down. Uh Brogdon was took a lot of shots and shot I think we said 30%. So they did a good job stymieing their number one guy, but has, you know, other than Andre Drummond probably averaging a a, a so far on defense has anyone done anything defensively
0: yeah the defense I think is the main thing that worries me even more than kind of that fourth quarter scoring is boy the defense does not look good this year not not at all and while Andre I think has done decent I don't feel like he's even been up to his full standard uh defensively especially in terms of getting uh, blocks and deflections and stuff like that that usually kind of gets around to I will say I think one thing the I noticed today, especially with Sabonis, I think it's kind of what's throwing us off, is we obviously want Andre on Miles Turner, kind of the bigger guy, better inside, stuff like that. But Sabonis was just eating a live Markeith and to a smaller extent, uh, Christian Wood and Thon when they were in there. So that'd be something where I feel like once Blake comes back healthy and we're not always playing the Pacers that want to pound you down low with uh, Oladipo out, I think that'll kind of balance back towards more evenness there in terms of allowing points inside and also having teams shoot a lot more threes. So far I think it's just a kind of a small sample size kind of thing, but the thing that that kind of scares me is the second points allowed, second chance points. We're kind of trending towards the top half of the league in second chance points. And that's something that I think, you know, even with uh, Blake being out, it's still something that I think we should be on top and something that we, we should be eliminating more. The Pacers had 94 attempts tonight, which was 13 more than us. And I think kind of the offensive rebounding, their ability to get extra chance points was really something that I'm not used to seeing from the Pistons and something that I wasn't uh, wasn't exactly encouraging <laughs> to see, to say the least. No,
1: that least. It was an issue before we had Blake when it was like the Tobias era mm-hmm. was that other than Andre, we really sucked at rebounding. Right now, uh, Christian Wood's doing pretty well, but other than Christian Wood, we suck at rebounding. Yeah. And Christian Wood is a good rebounder because he's a pogo stick, not because he (laughs) boxes out and does kind of the fundamentals. So even with Christian Wood in there, we kind of suck at rebounding. So it is a a concern. Blake obviously should alleviate some of it. And again, it is one of those things where we have played three of the weirdest teams in the NBA so far. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and that the Pacers are absolutely an outlier in how they play uh, with the two bigs you know, they've always been kind of a low three-point attempt team with a lot of mid-range shots and stuff. Uh, the Sixers are obviously just a weird amalgamation of height and just generally a weird team and obviously you're playing against a Hawks team where Trey Young went off for like 30 some points and, and did it in a way that really defied how you want to play defense. So... <laughs> All of these games can be counted as outliers, but the trends aren't good. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, right now I'd just say it's something to look for and see if it's something that keeps up when we play some of the more broader teams in the NBA.
1: When we go to the Raptors, that game should probably look pretty standard, mm-hmm. and you better hope the defense
0: shows up properly. Yep, that'll that'll be a good test. <laughs> Talking about kind of the week ahead Of course we've been talking about the Raptors Um, That is our next game Uh, We travel to Toronto on Wednesday As we kind of stay in (laughs) Boy we've had all our games close to the Midwest so far Indianapolis, Detroit, and now in Toronto And then we're going to continue that trend On Friday night on the second game Of our uh, road trip in Chicago And then they come back on Saturday For another road home Doubleheader or back-to-back against Brooklyn. So we'd see Kyrie and the rest of the Nets team that, while I really like a lot of their pieces, they've not playing so good to start the year. So we'll, we'll see what happens there.
1: That's what happens when you play a lot more DeAndre Jordan than you play Jared Allen for some demented, sick reason.
0: Yeah. If you didn't have the context of KD and Kyrie wanting DeAndre Jordan, the signing, they made absolutely no sense. <laughs> like, without that contract, so that was three years for... Android Jordan was astounding to me. Wild. but um, then we finish up um, the next kind of week of games next Monday in DC against the Wizards, and I will be there in attendance cheering on the Pistons.
1: I what do what do you think they have record wise here? I think I think the Raptors is probably a loss away from Mm -hmm. home not necessarily a roster i'm terrified of but i think that one's probably a a a reasonable loss Mm -hmm. i think going into chicago against the bulls the bulls have had some hot scoring but they're still a bad defensive team i think that's a winnable game Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i think brooklyn's a 50 50 chance depends on whether or not you get supernova Kyrie or not yeah and then i think dc is probably a winnable game so i think they could come out of here two and two again without Blake would probably be pretty good. Yeah, that's... I think, with, I think with Blake, this would be a stretch where you'd say they should probably be three and one, but...
0: Yeah, for me, I would say, obviously, the DC game is a game that we should win, and if we aren't winning it, I will be very, very sad to lose that one again. Uh, but the other three games, I think, are all games where they're winnable. Um, I'm not as high on the Raptors, I think, as you are. I'm still going mm, to see a little bit more out of that that team losing Kawhi. Um, so I, I think that's still... A, a Game that I don't expect us to win, but I think it's still a winnable game.
1: I don't know how we defend Pascal Siakam.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the trick because he's definitely. Do you put Andre on him? No, you think keep Andre on you, and Gasol? You,
1: you've the scheme says you can't do that because they don't yeah. play him at the five. You just and Andre's going to be chasing Serge Ibaka around more th- yeah. than we're comfortable with, and he's going to be chasing Mark Gasol around more than we're comfortable with. You, it's really a can we keep Kyle Lowry, you know, down? Does Kyle not go off against us? He sh- shouldn't. I don't Mm -hmm. think he's had any flamethrower game, but uh, it's can Tony Snell keep Pascal Siakam relatively in check? That's a big question.
0: Or do you think that's something where I'm gonna get maybe a little bit ahead of myself? But maybe Christian Wood gets a start, and we throw a Longboy at him, and have Longboy battles.
1: If they play Siakam, Ibaka, and Gasol together, and they might.
0: I think they. I think they played. I think their lineup is OG. Siakam and Gasal with Abaka coming off the bench. I think is their main starting lineup. I don't think they play those three together necessarily. But I think Nick
1: Nurse is a little more flexible with his lineups. And if I'm Nick Nurse, I'm putting Ibaka out there and and screwing us
0: over a little bit. That would be funny to see the team just go big on us. Um, but I think all three of those games should be winnable. The one that I, I would probably say the one that's going to be the hardest for us is having Brooklyn. Just because it's a home road back to back, and I think especially with kind of no Blake Reggie, probably not going to be playing that game, we will be a little short-handed and maybe a little bit more tired. So I'd be, I just hope we can get two and two out of that. If we can get one of those first three games, I'd think that'd be very happy with. I would expect us beating the Bulls and the Wizards. Hopefully, we can hold true to that. Maybe we can steal one against the Raptors.
1: and don't don't sleep on the Bulls just coming out.
0: Yeah. Like
1: going crazy because they're not a better team, but they're the kind of team that can burn you on any given night. A little like the Hawks, mm-hmm. where if you just get a, a crazy game from Lowry Markinen, who I think has already had a 30 banger this year, yeah, and uh, Zach Levine. I mean, both of those guys can go off and screw up your plans pretty easy. So
0: yeah, I think Markinen especially might be a, a struggle with our lineup as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely hope for for two and two would be a pretty pretty favorable outcome.
0: Two and two is what we're hoping for. Three and two is what or three and two is what we hope for. Two and two is I think I'd say what we expect. And one and three would be not the worst case scenario, as long as we just don't go over four. No. 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 Alright. So that will mostly conclude the podcast. We have one last thing before we go, of course, which we're gonna to talk to the uh, talk about the person we're gonna dedicate it to. Uh, this week's player, which I was happy to find, I kind of get Went a little bit down the rabbit hole. Um, It's going to be Jerry Stackhouse. So Stackhouse was originally drafted uh, with the third overall pick in the 95 draft, uh, originally by the 76ers. Um, He came out of North Carolina. Um, When it was two years there, he was the second year named National Player of the Year by Sports Illustrated and was a first-team All-American. So Stackhouse uh, started the first year 71-72 of games in the lockout-shortened 95-96 season. Um, and then 81 of 82 games in 96-97, before he was traded to the Pistons in the winter of 1997. Uh, It was a move that we sent uh, Theo Ratliff in a 2003, much later, uh, first-round pick, which actually ended up being Carlos Delfino, uh, to the 76ers. So after kind of being a scorer off the bench for his first year and a half with the Pistons, um, he became a full-time starter in the 99-2000 season. Uh, where he put up 24 points a game and was awarded with an all-star selection his first year as a starter. Um, in his second season, he led the lead in points and also turnovers, which I think is very kind of poetic with how I've been talking, especially with the Derrick Rose, who's doing a good job of scoring <laughs> points, but turned the ball over a lot as well. So he, he led the uh, league in points and turnovers, which led to his second straight all-star appearance. The reason we're kind of touching on him right here is that uh, he showed his scoring presence in an opening night win over the Raptors where he put up a Pistons regular season opening record, 44 points. Stackhouse continued to start with the Pistons for two more years after his record-breaking season before being traded in the offseason of the 2001 season, I believe, um, for his replacement, which was, of course, Rip Hamilton, which is a name, of course, Pistons fans know and love. Um, so Stackhouse was a player that I kind of watched when I was very young. He was one always stick with me as being kind of the first Piston I always remembered, mainly because of his name. Like, Stackhouse is just an awesome, like, name. So he was something that I, I will always think of um, as I was beginning to get into basketball. And also, the five years that he spent in Detroit was tied for his longest stint with any team in his 17-year career. So that's spending some time as an assistant coach in the G League coach for the Raptors and the Grizzlies, where he had a pretty good success with the Raptors especially. Um, he's recently been hired to be the head basketball coach for Vanderbilt. So Jerry Stackhouse, still a name to remember and know. Do you have any memory of Jury Stack? Because that was a little bit before you got into basketball there.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I ever saw Stack play live. Honestly, I went, so when I first got into basketball, was that 2013? We went to a game basically on on uh, New Year's Day? New Year's Eve? Something like that. I think it
0: was New Year's Day,
1: I want to say. I remember it was against, uh, that would have been the Jazz? Sounds about right. I have I have somewhere, I have the, the box score from it. Mm-hmm. But regardless, so after that happened, I went back and I watched a bunch of old games, and like most of the stack I saw, was actually from like when he was with the was it the Mavericks?
0: Yep, Mavericks were where he spent a lot of times. Well. You know
1: when they were when they were doing really well, and he, so I, I never really saw him as a piston. My big contribution to this is that Vanderbilt has Memorial Gymnasium, which is their uh, oh, yes. their basketball arena, which has my favorite court in basketball because it's uh they actually cleared the baselines and the sidelines and they have a split stanchion basketball hoop that (laughs) players can run under after making layups Yeah, and it's a basketball court made that actually like values player safety which is like a wild thing to say shout out vanderbilt Mm -hmm. and uh shout out jerry stackhouse yeah
0: yeah vanderbilt's definitely living in like 3013 <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. That that court is so jarring to watch when you're flipping around channels and you see it on like a like a TV station. It's like, what the heck? Where? What? What's going on here? So I'll definitely always remember that as well. Um, so as we close out today, um, I'll let you guys know we're going to try and keep this up as a kind of weekly thing, trying to get some topics and kind of segments. If you have any suggestions or anything, feel free to shoot us a link on Twitter. Yeah, tell yeah. me about it for us this week. Go Pistons! Hopefully, we have some good news heading into next week. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Good night. Good night.
1: Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.